What this is in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, um, and we'll say 14 with this, but preaching on the narrow way. And this was, a, this was a sermon that Jesus was preaching to the people. He was mainly talking about the way of the Pharisees. Okay, He was kind of talking about the Pharisees and the kind of religious sermons and the religious way of living that they had indoctrinated the people of Israel to. And Jesus was, was talking to them about the, the significance of how people choose to believe and how ultimately it puts pe people either on a way to, that leads to heaven or on a way that leads to destruction or hell. Okay, So today, in these two pathways that Jesus preached about, we all find ourselves on one of these. Now, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more in depth than just going into a sermon about living good and doing good. But I want to talk a little bit more about what Jesus was talking about in these two pathways. And I'm going to read it to you. It says, enter by the narrow gate. Listen to that. Enter by the narrow gate. All right. There were gates in Jerusalem that were different sizes. Okay. When strangers would come in, sometimes they would enter into a narrow gate or that we, as we refer to it sometimes as the eye of the needle. Now, if you're blind like I am and you try to take a little piece of thread that I can't even no longer feel anymore in my fingers and you try to put that thread through that eye of the needle, it's really difficult. And I mean, with as thin as thread is, it just looks like it won't hardly fit. So you wet your fingers and you try to wet it and try to fit in there because the slightest little bit of fuzz sticking off to the side won't let that thing come through that needle. Right? And after about 60 tries, because you can't see it, you finally get it in there. All right? Well, the eye of the needle was designed exactly for that purpose too. So when strangers would come in, you couldn't carry, a camel couldn't come through there with, anything on it so you couldn't carry weaponry into this portion of the city you had to i mean it was so very thin you couldn't come through with armament on i mean it really just kind of disarmed you in order to be able to fit through the gate you see so what jesus is telling us about the eye of the needle or the narrow gate is when we come to jesus christ when we enter into the kingdom of heaven you can't bring any of this junk with you you can't bring any any of this devilish stuff that you possess in your life or you can't bring physical things with you it it will not allow you if you're burdened down if your life is built around this world you can't chug all your stuff in that gate you won't fit so you got to lose all this stuff and go in as a child of god and then you'll fit through that gate all right so that's the eye of the needle but the narrow path, the narrow way, the broad way, interesting, interesting that the broad way that leads to hell, we call Broadway today. And we, we love that place, right? We love Broadway, Broadway, you know, so, we, you know, is it interesting that they call it that? I think it is. I think it's really very significant. But the broad way or the big way is the way that everybody likes to travel in the world. It's the way that you're born on. Okay, so understand that when Jesus is preaching this sermon and, and he's teaching this to the people, that the broad way is the way that you find yourself on when you come into the, the ability to acknowledge right from wrong and you enter the world uh, in, in, in what we refer to in the Christian world 
as the ability to choose right from wrong or or the ability to, to make heaven your home or hell your home, you reach that age of accountability. Okay? The age of accountability finds one on the Broadway. You just inherit it. It's the way you're always, you've always been on. Which, really, we should be thankful for that. Because this is why. When you get saved, you go from the broad way, God puts you on the narrow way. So instantaneously, you should be able to identify that when you really come into true faith with Jesus Christ, things change. The Bible is all about change. Behold, old things pass away and all things become new. Your pathway changes. Your, your, your destiny changes. And the scenery of that pathway changes. Everything is identifiable to you as being change. Good change. Okay? Now, as we look at this, I want to keep reading this. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Okay? Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, there are few who find it. Jesus Christ himself is acknowledging that there will be few people that find the narrow way. That should be alarming to you. It should put you on high alert. Because when God says that there are many people that enter in at the broad way that leads to destruction, but, but when Jesus, God says there will be few that find the narrow way, then you should start looking at yourself and looking at the path in which you're on and, and allow God to humbly show you which one you're on. Okay? And then once you realize it, if you need to make a change, you need to allow God to make that change in your life. Now we're going to talk a little bit about that. Okay? And how, how, how you change pathways. How you go from the narrow way to the broad way, the broad way to the narrow way. These are interchangeable pathways. You can jump off if you want to. You can choose. The Bible says, people say, you know, people say, well, no, no that, you know, God saves everyone. No, the Bible says, choose you this day, every day, who you'll serve. Jesus Christ himself said that you have to pick up your cross, what? Daily. And follow after him. The cross lies on the narrow path. And there's a cross laying there on the ground for you to pick up. Now, the broad way up here doesn't have no cross on it, but the narrow way does. And when people are on the broad way, they, the broad way is easy, man. It's a big, broad path. There's been many people ahead of you. They've knocked all the weeds down. It's really e easy. The, you know, hell is so easy, you just got to do nothing to get to it. Right? You got to choose to do nothing. You can sit there and just do nothing and go right down the broad way. The broad way is full of drug users, drug dealers, alcoholics, pornography, prostitution, perversion, 
fornication, adultery, all these things are on that Broadway. And then nothing is on that Broadway. There, there are good people on that Broadway who don't understand that they need to get off the Broadway and get on the narrow way because they've lived a good life. And there's a section of the Broadway that looks good to people who think they're living a good life, but they've never been saved. Okay? Because the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. But it looks right to you, but it's wrong way. On the pathway that Jesus talks about, he says, few there will be that find it. One of the things that I've talked about many different times with many different pastors and preachers around this area is the fact that I'm not seeing true conversion much anymore. I mean, true conversion. You remember back in the days when people would truly get saved and their life would turn and they would completely change and it was evident for everyone to see. Nowadays, people think conversion is a choice that you make to do something. That is absolutely false. Now, that's the majority of the preaching that you hear today. Do this and you'll be fine. Slide this across, slide this bead across the string, you'll be fine. Uh, take this Eucharist and eat it, you'll be fine. Get baptized, you'll be fine. Those are all, all falsehoods. That is not biblical truth. That is not a J thing. That is not a Baptist thing. That is a Bible thing. That is false preaching that leads people to nowhere but, but on the broad way. True salvation is bestowed upon you when you express faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That means you have to completely humble yourself and realize, realize that if you don't ask Christ to save you, you are in deep trouble. And then by faith you accept Him. Not by works, lest any man should boast. If you are not saved by works, you are saved by faith, is what the scripture says. Okay? So when you talk to people today about, I was, I was witnessing to a fellow just the other day, and he said, I'm Catholic. I said, I forgive you. He just smiled. And we joked around. And I meant that. I was just playing around. And we were talking about the difference between religion and relationship. And hopefully I planted a seed there. Because religion says do this and do that, but it never, it never brings a person to true conversion or being born again. It leaves us with false hope. Okay, so when we're looking at this right here, I'm just going to go right into this sermon. Um... Jesus teaches us very clearly here that there is a path that leads to heaven. But that there is a path, it's hard for many people to find it. And it's seldom found. Now, why would God do that? I've, you know, when you look at this scripture, you think, okay, why would God make something? Is he trying to hide it from me? Is he trying to keep me from being saved? Is he making this too hard? Absolutely not. The righteous God in heaven who, who, who will settle for nothing less than faith in his son, son that causes inward conversion, not outward. It's not about how you dress. It's not about you dress up to go to church. It's not about your Bible you carry. It's about your heart being converted. Knows that in man's human life, it is so very seldom that a human being will give up the world and all of its pleasures, luxuries, and lusts 
to pick up a cross and follow Jesus Christ. That's why there's so many few people on it. Even the church is preaching what I call greasy grace and reeking righteousness. It's because it involves no cleanliness. It involves no faith in Christ. It's just simply, here's how to live your best life now. And just do this and live a good life and everything will be okay. And just give your money to my church and then we'll be fine. That's greasy grace and reeking righteousness. There's no holiness in it at all. But God didn't hide the path from you. He just simply set it in a way that you can't stay on the narrow path unless you've been converted. An unconverted person cannot walk the narrow way. They, they might try, but they find it so difficult. They find it so unpleasing and so unsatisfying because their heart isn't right. They, they try to pick up the cross, but the cross just doesn't fit them yet. They're still really on the Broadway over here. But they try to walk the narrow way, but they find it so difficult. And they're, they're, actually, they're, they're actually walking someone else's path. They're a fraud. They're fraudulent. Jesus said, if you try to come in some other way, he says, that's the way of a thief and a robber. He said, but I am the door. He said, nobody comes to the Father except they come through me. What does he mean by that? The only way that you can enter into the gate is you have to go to the gatekeeper, and that is Jesus Christ. You can't come around the wall and say, I think I'm, I'm going to bypass all that cross-carrying stuff, and I'm just going to go back here like my family would try to do, and I'm just going to throw a ladder up on the wall, and I'm just going to jump in. And there I am. You know how many times I was in the back of a car sneaking into a drive-in? Date Meese Drive-In used to be on Valley Street. You remember the Date Meese Drive-In? Anybody remember that old timers around here? You know how many times I snuck into that as a kid? Well, I'm going to drop you off down here now. My dad didn't want to pay that 50 cents. You know, back then they got you into a, into a movie theater. Or, you know, you'd lay down in the back of a monster old stinking Catalina that he had that had a trunk that we could fit everybody in the church in. And you get back there and he closes the trunk and you know that muffler is about ready to fall off so you're about ready to asphyxiate in the back of that nasty thing. And you're laying back right, right above the muffler, and, and you're sitting there waiting for dad to get through the line and to save himself a quarter. Okay? Or you got dropped off down around Harshman somewhere, and you had to come the back way through Mad River Middle School back, the Mad River Junior High, and come in the back way, but they always had a guard back there in that little pocket woods that used to be back there. But you had to sneak in, you know. Well, in heaven, you can't do that. You can't, you can't come in the back way and jump into the show and be free admission. You have to come through the door. It's, it's unpassable. You cannot go around. You can't backdoor this thing. You can't sneak in. And the Bible says anybody that tries to do that is a thief and a robber. Okay? You have got to come through the door. So the, the only way that you can come through the door, who is Jesus Christ, is you have to come the old knee route way and you've got to be saved. And it takes a person to be willing to forsake this world in order to obtain Christ. He goes about it and tells us the same thing in many different ways, in many different parables. And he said, a person's heart is like, heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Okay? It's like a treasure hidden in a field. Now imagine this. Nigel, if, if you knew where there was a big thing of diamonds that would instantaneously make you rich, 
and it was hidden in some field. The scripture says that you would do everything in your, you would not go to work. You would do everything in your power to go and obtain those riches. The problem is, is what are those riches to Nijay? Jesus said the kingdom of heaven should be like a treasure hidden in a field. That when a man finds it, he forsakes all that he has to go and obtain that one treasure. But the problem is the treasure to most people these days is what the world offers. So their field is the world. The treasure is the treasures of this world. And they go and they sell out to have everything that this world offers instead of everything that Jesus would offer. Their treasure, they got two treasures they can choose from. Treasures for eternal life or treasures that will please you for a little while here in this earth. One or the other, your heart is fixated on one of them. And in order to have one, you have to choose the one over the other, do you see? And that's why Jesus goes on later to say, and it's the same kind of thing, it's all pathway stuff, that a man cannot serve two masters. He cannot serve mammon or money or riches of this world and serve God because your heart cannot split and be obedient and loyal to two different things. Human beings can't do that. You're either the one or you're the other. And it puts you and is indicative of the pathway in which you're on. So all these sermons that Jesus preached all comes back to this one sermon right here. Where he talks about pathways. Okay, so it's not that he's hidden it from you. It's just you don't really want it. It's right there for you to choose. It's just few people seldom find it. Because people think when they come to Jesus Christ, they don't really give their whole heart to Him. Like, like I've seen people in my ministry, this ministry that God has given me, over the past three decades, I have seen people come in and we use the word surrender. Surrender means I give up. If you watch the old shows and you know, you see General Marquis Malcolm surrender his fort to the colonial armies. General Marquis Montcalm, he comes out from the French, from the French armament, and he comes out and he takes his sword and he symbolically surrenders it to the opposing general. The fort is yours. And they give up everything in that fort. Right? I surrender. I am at your mercy. Kill us, leave us be, we surrender. In order to be on the narrow path, you have to surrender. Surrender means you finally give up the fight. And you say, you know what, Lord, I'm done wrestling. I'm done wrestling with you, God, over things. I can feel you working in my heart. I know that you love me. And there are things that's keeping me from really surrendering to you. And you know what, Lord? I'm going to trust you with everything. I'm giving up. And I'm just going to surrender my whole life to you, Jesus Christ. That's what you have to do. And then, you know what? God shows you the ultimate love and trust and He takes your little life and all the things that you thought you had to protect like a dog with a bone. And He takes that little bone that you were fighting to protect and He gives you a boneyard. 
and says, look here at how much better life is with me than it is trying to hack it out on your own. And then he takes life and he makes it so much better and so much more enjoyable and he gives it back to you. He said, I didn't come to give you just life. He goes, but I came to give you life more abundantly. And when I surrendered to Jesus Christ, I inherited a kingdom full of promise, full of hope, full of abundance of everything that I have need of. Of everything I have need of. My God, my Savior made this world and everything that's in it. He made all the things that I'm scrapping for, these little nuggets of things that I love. You know, God made that. And if you'll just trust Him, He'll give you something so much better in your life and so much more satisfying that you'll wonder wonder why you didn't do it before. But you have got to surrender. you got to love God more than you love the stuff. Listen to this. you got to love God more than you love your children. He's not going to take them from you. He's going to make you love them more. He's going to bless your family and make it better. You've got to love Him more than you love your wife or your husband. Because He's got to be number one. And then He will bless that relationship and make it more better and more abundant and, and blessed. But the more you stay on this broad way, the less blessed you become. But you've got to, over here, it, it looks kind of rough, Pastor Jay. Over here in this narrow way, Dave, there's decisions that has to be made. There's a cross to pick up. It's kind of rocky and it looks kind of hilly and it's full of valleys. And, but this Broadway over here, man, it's smooth and easy. But this, this two paths, one goes like this and like this and up mountains and down and all this. And you got to carry a heavy load. Man, I don't want to go on that. I want the easy way over here right next to it that's smooth. They look like they're going to the same place. But let me tell you, at the exit, this one goes up, this one goes down. This one goes up to the kingdom of heaven. This one goes to hell. And then there's people that say, well, I'll just stay on the Broadway and take that easy way and then I'll just hop over at the last minute. And I'll pray and ask God to forgive me right before I die. I've had people tell me that. Okay, so you're, you're saying you're going to dupe God. Okay, okay, God, I'm going to stay devilish and love all the stuff that I've always loved for the rest of my life until that last moment, then I'm going to get converted. No, God says it just like this. Homie, don't play that. No. Because all this time, God's been trying to get you to convert. God's been tugging at your heart. God's been dealing with your soul. God's been telling you, man, maybe you should come up here and pray at this altar. And you don't. You stand there and put your, dig your fingernails into the back of that pew and your, your knees just shake. And you don't do it. But God's kind of calling to you and you don't respond. The primary attributes, and I'm going to, man, I, I have been preaching for 23 minutes. I cannot believe that. I'm watching this phone. It's 23 minutes and 12 seconds right now. Unbelievable. I guess that, that disturbing violation that I went through at Town and Country has made me need to get this off my chest or something. I'm not for sure. The primary attributes of a person... 
that they possess to walk the narrow path, the very first thing is you must be born again in, I'm talking about inside, okay, inside. Conversion isn't something that you choose to do. It's something that God bestows upon you. Um, the narrow path taught by Jesus does not emphasize external requirements. Listen to this. It does not require external requirements, but it does require internal transformation. It requires it. You can't, be, you can't be converted and transformed in your soul unless you're sincere with God about it happening. Okay, You just can't repeat a few words and then God takes his magic wand and puts it above Shelley's head and goes, you're saved because you said abracadabra. It don't work that way. Okay, um, Understand and look at these words in your Bible. Jesus said this. He said, few people will find the narrow way. God Himself acknowledged it. Acknowledged that there will be mostly people going to hell. Do you know how much that disturbs God? Do you think God likes that? you think God sent His only begotten Son to die upon the cross so that the majority of the world would go to hell? No. But He knew the people, the few people that would find the narrow path is still worth it. But these people still have a choice. But that the world would become so wicked in heart and so wicked in their mind that they wouldn't want to serve God. They want to stay evil with the devil. They would rather have the devil's world than Jesus' world. They'd rather walk shoulder to shoulder with the devil because they're more comfortable with that than they are walking with Christ. You see. Jesus acknowledged this. Um... Satan, to these folks, offers a much better deal than Jesus does to them. Because people are looking at the pathway with unsaved eyes. Do you truly believe that there is a hell? And do you truly believe that there is a heaven? I pulled up on an accident scene and I seen a car flipped over and I seen where two people and I did not know I was I was coming back from Kentucky. I did not know if there was people inside this van or not. It was a minivan uh, or some kind of little SUV and it was up on an embankment and it had flipped over several times and you can see where Two people's heads had hit the windshield and busted themselves up. I didn't know if I was going to go up on this thing and find two dead bodies in it or not. But I did stop and I did go back and I did look. And I took my flashlight and I, and I was trying to look in there to see if I seen a, a, a person tucked up underneath the daggone dashboard because a lot of times people when they get into car accidents like that and they're flipped over, they'll, they'll be heaved underneath of the dashboard and they will be embedded up underneath the up underneath where the gas pedals and stuff are impaled by the gas pedals the, and everything else and, and they'll be in there with their head up in the da underneath the dash 
So as I looked, I could tell that somebody had been busted up bad. There was nobody in that car. And the minute that I looked in there and seen where a body had been, and two bodies, at least two, had been severely, severely injured and battered, I thought of the choices that people make. I thought, how serious did these people think about dying and living? We just don't get it. We just don't get it that we are going to physically die. And eternity begins. And you will be judged by everything in this world that you did that was unrepented for and, and, and not forgiven. As a Christian, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? You will go before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and He will judge your works as you perform them as a Christian. He will judge you based on your relationship with Him and your obedience to Him on this earth. Thank God that you will be standing before Him in the judgment seat of Christ and you're not at the great white throne judgment which is for the dead and those getting tossed into the lake of fire. But the judgment seat of Christ is going to be a humiliating thing for a very lot of people. When He strips you and disciplines you in front of all of heaven for the disobedience and the evil you wrought in your heart, unrepented of as a Christian. That will happen to those of us who are saved. To those that are not, you are a walking dead man. I just want to tell you right now, if God has not transformed your heart, if God in this little church right here, I'm going to talk to you people right here because only you know the condition of your heart. I'm going to tell you right now, if you have not been transformed in your heart, you are a walking dead person. You're just waiting the lake of fire. You're playing Russian roulette with your spiritual well-being. You're turning the chamber and click, and then you're cocking the hammer back and click. And hopefully there's not a live bullet in it. Because if there's a live bullet in it and it goes off and you're dead, you're dead. You're dead not only here, but you're dead for eternity. You're going to pay the eternal price. So what's it going to be? And this is a very simplistic teaching of the two paths. We can go into great detail on these pathways. What, what happens on the narrow path? Here's what happens on the narrow path to the true believer. The true believer has a heart that wants to serve Christ. It has a desire to walk with Jesus Christ. It has a desire to see other people saved. It has a desire to fulfill the ministry that God's put in their heart. It has a desire to reach out. It has a desire to come to church. It has a desire to read the scripture. It has a desire to pray. It has a desire to one day stand before Jesus Christ and enter into the kingdom of heaven because heaven is everything to that person. They can't wait to get there and see the King of kings and Lord of lords and bow before the master of life and tell him how much they love him and adore him and thank him for hanging upon the cross for their life, for their 
soul to thank him and to see his blessed hands and to kiss his hands and hug his neck and say thank you for loving me enough to be mocked, ridiculed, scorned, beaten with a cat of nine tails and hung upon the cross. Thank you. And then enter into the kingdom of heaven and see the patriarchs of your faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Paul, and and Bartholomew, and Nathaniel, and all the disciples, and go and talk with them, and see them, and walk the streets of gold, and see the kingdom of heaven, and be heaven bought, and be and be and be eternal in eternal light, where the light of Jesus Christ never stops shining, and never is there darkness in their in this place, and never is there a tear that will ever fall in this place. That is the place of the narrow walk. If that don't describe you, you're on the broad way. The Broadway says, I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about making money. I'm worried about what's going to happen to me in this life. I'm, 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 I'm sick and tired of this and I'm sick and tired of that. And you don't ever worry about picking up your cross and following Jesus. And you don't really ever pray. And you don't really care if you do or not. And saving souls is not on your agenda. You don't really care about who, where people or how they make their choices. The world and the way that it's going is of no concern to you. You feel no obligation to reach out to people or your family or to try to get them saved because you don't know because you don't even understand it, you're going to hell. It's no big deal to you. It's no big deal to you that that person walking down the street is going to go to hell. It was a big deal to Jesus. He died for him and gave himself for him. And let me tell you something. If he's living in you, then you should be showing them same attributes that he has. If you've been converted and you've been saved and Jesus lives in your heart, guess what you should be like? Jesus. I like that saying that says, no Jesus, no peace. Because if he ain't in there, you ain't going to have no peace. If Jesus ain't in there, you're not going to act like him. If Jesus ain't in there, you're not going to think like him. If Jesus ain't in there, you're not going to see like him. If Jesus ain't in there, you're not going to hear like him. It's not going to disturb you, the current spiritual condition of the world. It's not going to, you're not going to seize the opportunity when God brings some unsaved soul before you. You're not going to talk to them about Jesus. You're going to talk to them about how to make money or what are you doing in this world or boy, oh boy, some other topic. But if Jesus is really in you, then you got something to say to the unsaved world. I could go into each one of them attributes that I quickly just went through with you on each pathway. One is born of a regenerated, renewed, restored, justified, sanctified, and set apart heart that was bought in the blood of Jesus Christ. One is full of wickedness and spiritual deceit. Still a child of the devil. You're one. Which one are you? The only way you can change it is through Jesus Christ. And to surrender. Stand with me.